Very excited to welcome the band Royal Jelly Jive to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Royal Jelly Jive is a high-energy soul rock band from San Francisco who are ready to get you moving and grooving while they melt your hearts. See, I used to write these Aww. myself, but yeah. it's just like more fun to read what the band describes their sound as, which is what I just did. <laughs> Wait, oh, did we write that? <laughs> you wrote that. Oh, God. This is a, I, wrote the, I wrote this, though. This is a band that has a lot of momentum, and that is fun, but what's even more fun is that they are thoughtful folks that put a lot of their life and experiences into their art. Tonight, we'll explore the art, we'll get deep and philosophical, as we do, and later, the band will play us a collection of songs. Please welcome to the program, Royal Jelly Jive. Yeah. Hello. 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 Oh, God. Hello. <laughs> we ended it on a strong note. <laughs> so this is a band that has a lot of press out there on the Internet. And I love everybody. But most articles about this band spend half the time analyzing your genre. <laughs> and that's cool. But I feel like there's a lot more to this band than that. Would you agree with that? Mm. Yes. 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 I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> what is the genre? What is? Let's not. No. Can we just? Can we just not, please? Yeah. Well, you brought it up. In the interest of not talking about it, <laughs> yes, I brought it up. A lot of these things that you sing about, a lot of the experiences you've had, make it to the music. Is that correct? Totally. Um, and I feel like Lauren, I don't really know you, but I just kind of feel like when you get in the zone and when you start playing, I feel like you really like take it. I feel like you really feel everything in the song as much as you can and try to bring it to the performance. Would you say that's correct? Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, you guys are talking about uh, relationships. You're talking about experiences. You're talking about things that have happened. So we, uh, I, I'd like to kind of go into some of that and kind of have everybody throw in what songs mean to them. I know a lot of them have to do with your guys' Jesse and Lauren's personal lives because you guys are the, the like the co-songwriters, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that a correct statement? Um, and just... For everyone out there who doesn't know, these two are romantically involved or are? Right in this very right moment. Right in this very moment. <laughs> Under this table. It's very important context. You just disappointed <laughs> yeah. so many ladies out there after Jesse Lemmy Adams. <laughs> so I know, I know a lot about the second album because when the second album came, you guys had momentum and there's a lot of press out there about it. You talk yeah. about a lot of those experiences and we'll get to that. But let's talk a little bit about the self-titled debut first just because this is sort of a retrospective and kind of a where this band's at. Um, that was your first album. Is there anything on that album that uh, experience-wise or um, philosophically whatever stands out to you is significant? Yes. that To me, that album's like almost like anthropological because Lauren came back from so many experiences underwater, deep-sea diving in the Mediterranean or being on a Nevis with some old woman trying to recreate. Like It was very much like a world traveling the world i mean you could speak to some of the songs that but i mean she came back with some really amazing stories and that's one thing that that album will always have i think that it speaks to so many like like she wrote one of the songs underwater inspired by a fish that was (laughs) hopping around and um so now that's a point of overlap between lauren and tom tom has had many experiences with wildlife and uh have had conversations with such things (laughs) did you talk to the fish lauren (laughs) 
I often send my love to the fishes. Yeah. Okay. But what about this fish in particular that inspired this song? What, what tell us about that fish? Okay. I was ready to tell you about another fish, well, but that's, see, that's okay. No, tell me about the other fish, and then we'll go back. <laughs> well, if you've ever heard of, of <laughs> getting nitrogen narcosis or getting yeah. narked yeah. when you're underwater, some divers can get this where too much nitrogen seeps into your bloodstream, and you start hallucinating, and you can just do some really crazy things down there. And I was on a dive in Cozumel, Mexico, where there was a fish telling me, I love you, I love you, and I was like, I love you too. And I just kept following him, and I actually had my uh, diver with with us pull on my fin because I was just going deeper and deeper. We were over 100 feet and I just kept going and I just totally forgot my bearings. Everyone was 15 feet above me and I would have just followed this fish down to my demise. It was so lovely. And then the other fish, it actually wasn't a fish, it was a sea polyp. So I was, um, I was participating on a survey, a reef check in Big Sur. And so we were just sort of main, like keeping an eye or maintaining um, the health of the reef on, in Big Sur at the Big Creek Marine Reserve. And we were diving for about four or five days there. And I think it was maybe my, I don't know, third dive, like two days in. And uh, so I, I spent about, I don't know, maybe like 50 minutes at about 50 feet. So when you go beyond 30 feet for a while, you have to spend three minutes at 15 feet to decompress, just to let things sort of go back in your body back to normal. And so I'm just sitting here, killing time for three minutes, looking around, holding on to uh, some kelp, giant kelp that goes to the top. And as I look around, there's this little sea polyp, which is pretty much like a big clear jelly bean the size of your hands. It has a heart and a mouth, I guess maybe a digestive system. I'm not totally a marine biologist, but that's all you can see to this thing. A muscle, it just sort of pumps, and it just, as it moved, I could, I could just hear its movement. Bum, 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 dum, bum, 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 and it, because it, it sort of had that one, two, three, run, dun, dun, and then it moved upward, dum, bum, bum, and so it was almost like I could see the staff and it moving through the music staff, the grand staff. <laughs> And I just happen to have this um, underwater writing tablet, which is essentially waterproof paper on PVC, just like screwed into it, and a little charcoal pencil attached to my BC. So I just scribbled down this little poem as it came to me. And, um, and I actually have to give it to my dive instructor, uh, the safety officer in Moss Landing. Diana Steller, because at a campfire, she was like, opera of Terragophora, and she put these words in my head. And Terragophora is this amazing kelp. It's in the subcanopy, so it only grows a few feet off the ground, so you really have to get down below it. Also track four on the album. Also track four, Terragophora, that's correct. And the reason it was so important to me is because the surge in Big Sur is just so crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm on, I am on video, okay. I'll just show you. So you're just for the audio listener. Uh, Lauren is oh, standing up, and I'm she's standing doing up. Okay, yeah. I'm holding on to the microphone because it's strong, and it and everything else is flimsy. But I can hold on to it like this. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Don't get swept away. Woo! <laughs> and you're trying, you're trying to count, count like stars or match the substrate and write numbers down. It's crazy. So Terragophora, this kelp, because it had like a strong wooded like trunk, like a tree trunk. It was the only thing you could hold on to and not just fly away with the ocean and it just take you away. And so um, it just became the opera of Terragophora. 
is Jesse in some ways your Taragafra? Oh, what? That's, that's, deep, that's deep. deeper than diving. <laughs> ocean. <laughs> and then he asked a question. We absolutely no expecting. Yes, <laughs> because it's true. I would totally be adrift <laughs> without him, um, and not just in a romantic way, but I, I, I feel like I'm a. I have an overflowing amount of creativity. And um, one of Jesse's many talents is just like honing in an idea and manifesting and putting it to action and following it through in the producer sense. And so um, our collaboration has been extremely uh, fruitful. You are an artist in the truest sense of the word. From like my vantage point watching you play, you embody so much. I mean, you get overtaken by your art. Sometimes you don't even like know where the art's taking you, but you fo- you see it through because that's what you need to yeah. do in order to do it. And I love that. That was really fun Thank to you. watch. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. That album, though, self-titled album, there's a lot. I mean, Indian George, I don't know who that is. Lady Luna, I don't know who that is. Rumi's Lullaby, I don't know who that is. Is there any anything worth going into before we like really dive into stand-up? Because stand-up's yeah. the album I know a lot about. I know nothing about the first album. You should do Indian George because that's something real big. Well, they're all real. Yeah. Let's get real. In, sh- in short, I would just wanted to say Rumi is this incredible poet. He was a Sufi he, he started the whirling of the dervishes as a practice of This is the last track on the yes. album, Rumi's Lullaby. I'm making this one just short so I can tell you about Indian George, yeah. but um, his, his, just, his ideas are, are so beautiful in just unifying people and just this idea of life, whether you are existential about it or have a whole different sort of optimism thing going on, just that it's okay, whatever happens in life. And that sometimes like the abrasiveness and the aggravating things that can happen, it's just like polishing a mirror. Like we love mirrors, we wanna see the world around us, we wanna see ourselves. And the mirror has to be polished. And so that song is just about that, about needing to polish yourself and letting that happen so that you can just be and see the world around you. And then, can I ask a question before you leave? Yeah. Was there was it significant to end the album on that note? Yes. Like, w- did that did, did yeah. the album culminate in that at all? Yes. Sorry to interrupt. I just think no, that's, that's okay. worth mentioning. Indian George. I was seven. yeah. I just wanted to tell you about both. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I started my twenties thinking that I was going to do underwater archaeology, and I got as far as my master's program in applied anthropology at San Jose State. And through there, I had this amazing mentor, Mr. Menachetti, and I went with him uh, to excavate with some others. We were doing, practicing uh, our field work, and we went and excavated a former um, slave village under a British sugar plantation in the West Indies on the island of Nevis. And I spent some of my free days riding the buses around the island, and I eventually met uh, Miss George, which is funny because I thought her name was Miss Judge for a long time, but I realized it was just her accent. She's Miss George, and she would sit there. She's the only one on the island and a few nearby islands that makes afro nevesian pottery, these ceramics that are 
in the tradition of the Nevisians and possibly the Africans that came there through the slave trade. And so what we find while we were excavating the slave village was mostly um, shards of pottery and ceramics. But what's so great is that the patina, the, the material, the form, any, any little design, anything, you can date where the ceramics was made, what time, maybe within a hundred years or so, and the actual place it was coming from. And we were finding pieces from Spain, porcelain from China, all kinds of things. So we could kind of paint a little bit of a picture of how these people were living. And so basically we spent a lot of time mulling over the ceramics that we found. And a lot of the Afro-Navision ware that we were finding in, in the dirt while we were excavating was just like the ceramics that Miss George was making. So I got really interested in her work because she told me about this one spot on the island that she can trace back a couple, like maybe three generations. Her great-grandmother was going there with a bucket of water, waiting till the spring, you know, cleared, and then she could go get the iron oxide for the slip. And, you know, there's only a small gap of time between then and when the village was preoccupied. So I was just really excited about about just, I don't know, I don't somehow discovering some sort of lineage between Miss George and where she came from. And so I, I spent time talking to her about that. And she told me, you know, the people used to call my daddy Indian George because they thought that he was one of the, um, they were the Arawak or the Carib uh, tribes that were living on the islands who were also enslaved at the time with the Africans. And so they were living side by side. I mentioned that in the lyrics. And um, basically, there are a few people on the island and a few families that some of the folks think still have the Indian blood. And their hair is straighter and longer and thinner, a little more red. Their skin is a little bit more fair. And so everybody called him Indian George, and this man was a great man. That was a long background. I, that was great. <laughs> okay, I never get to tell people all the details, so it's, it's, really, it's really wonderful to just get, get the full story out. And so Indian George was a wonderful man. He was a sailor who knew how to swim. And that sounds a little crazy to us, but in fact, a lot of the people working on the ships and boats... Well, they thought it was bad luck if you knew how to swim. Ah, the yeah. uh, sailors in, uh, yeah, the, that were going to sea in the 14 through 16, and even a little bit later than that, mm -hmm. thought that it was actually bad luck to be a sailor and mm -hmm. know how to swim. That means that you may need to know how to swim. Right. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to have to swim ever. That's hopeful thing. What a superstition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird superstition. Yeah. A lot of them refused to learn. Yeah, well, Indian George could swim. And so, and it's funny because it, I mean, not, no, it's not funny. It's amazing. He saved boatloads of people. There were these shallow bodies. Bottomed, um, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, light, lighter boats, sorry, it slipped for a moment. The lighter boats that would go back and forth between the islands, bringing the sugar cane uh, back and forth, St. Kitts and all the others. And basically, you know, the ships would go over and he swam and there were multiple times that he swam many people to and from, from the wreck to shore, from the wreck to shore. And he was a hero. So I guess in the somewhere in the early 1900s, at some point, a recording was made and there was a jingle, a song. 
Indian George, he saved so many lives. And that's all Miss George can tell me. She didn't remember a melody. She had no clue where to find a record. I looked for, for a long time, for months, and could find nothing of the song. So we put, we, you know, I had some gypsy jazz chords going, and, and we worked out the song and, and just wanted to keep this man's name alive. That was the best context for why we're doing what we're doing right now <laughs> the interest that you have in archaeology or had in archaeology the interest in yeah. going to a place and trying to find out what these people were all about and where they were from and what time it was that's what we're doing right now and why it's especially significant is this album which came out in 2014 that we're talking about think about what your lives were like prior to this album how different you two weren't dating i don't know how far back all you folks go in terms of friendship with each other this band didn't exist prior to what 2013 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. life is so significantly different because you all met and you made this album and look where it's taken you so i think there's real value in sort of prying into it and kind of like giving context for stuff so thank you thank you because it really resonated with me uh, that what you did over there is kind of what we're doing tonight but for your art and that's your lovely thank you is there anything else on that album that is interesting and worth mentioning uh, i mean there's so much i know but oh. anything that really i mean do whatever you want go track by track i could care less I, oh we could gosh. do a four-hour episode if you want Troy is about you know the politics of everything history art artifacts it's really just about the misunderstanding of, of artifacts and, and how things can be blown up into proportions because, you know, what, what is Troy, quote unquote, Troy today that millions of tourists go to see every year and pay to see the wooden horse and take the little picture. <laughs> it's just, it's not Troy. The fortified walls were not big enough. The city wasn't right. big enough. And when we're talking about strata, the artifacts were just not at the right date associated with the stories and you know I, I love the interp I just love all we can do is interpret what's in front of us and try to make sense of it and mm. that's what happened and then you know these these beautiful treasures that belonged to Turkey or the Ottoman Empire at the time were taken out of the nation and and put into someone else's museum and the stories changed and and uh and it I I you know it's just about how we sort of romanticize the little things. <laughs> stand up is track number three. Is there anything you'd like to say about stand up or Alhambra? I mean, it just seems yeah. like you have so much to say oh. about each thing. Alhambra. So <laughs> I love. You're the best. I, I, I love this. Go this, <laughs> I love, love, love Islamic art and architecture. I just think it's. It's just the epitome of seeing the beauty in nature and trying to recreate it. And at sort of the peak of Islamic uh, architecture, the, you know, the Moors were in Spain and they build Alhambra, Al Alhambra. In, in Granada, in this like beautiful puzzle of a fortified walled palace that's like, it's so crazy. I, I haven't even been there, but I've just... I have, I'm, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but I know so much about it because I, I just love how it was built. And and the, the it's based around this idea of reflecting light. And so there's this thing called a mukarna. And this is the big line in the song, mukarna's made for your eyes. And it's all about that, you know, a mukarna is a niche, as if you were to take your finger and just scoop out a little niche in a wall. And something about that concavity allows light to come in and reflect. And so 
they put, they went crazy with these mukarnas, just everywhere, tears and tears of them. It it's in, it's just looks beautiful in pictures. <laughs> I'm sure it's amazing there. But what's so beautiful is this palace was made with no doors. It's just a series of openings and then a big garden in the middle, and it's just built. It's built for light. It's built to reflect light and to live in a palace of light. And um, I'm not quoting anyone on that. I'm just digging into the the facade here. And I just think that's a beautiful metaphor. How is that structure a beautiful metaphor for life? Well, I think ideally I would like to do my best to make the framework or foundation of my life in the same way. I think about it as like the, the foundation or the outside. So like I would want to surround myself with, with people that reflect light, with people that inspire me, with people that, that just represent really good ideals and and things in this life and um and I guess like the health like you could also think of your body as a temple and just like I that is my goal is is to just be a light and and emanate whatever feelings I have and hopefully people can relate to them and 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 hopefully there's something good there in the end but just just to like craft yourself like that idea of polishing yourself and just just working on oneself and one's world around them so that you can truly just, I don't know, like what do mirrors do? They just open up, right? When you're in a room full of mirrors, it feels like eternal. It just feels like you can see forever. And it can change a space in a moment. So light is a big metaphor for me. A big, it's like everything. Boy, oh boy. That's a, that's a, that's, and we only talked like five tracks on that album. Isn't that crazy? Um, There's 10 more. There's 10 more and you can buy it online. <laughs> you can. Yeah, yeah. You can buy it online. All right, let's make a deal. You guys have a new album coming out at some point. Um, let's have you back on and then we can go back to track one or to, to album one and we can kind of explore what we left behind because there's, mm-hmm. well, there's so much stuff we haven't talked about yeah. on that album. Sure. Let's go to a second album, which I actually know a thing or two about. So the album has uh, a bunch of tracks, 13 tracks. I won't go track by track because I know it's, it's getting later. So it seems like the first album was based on these like grand experiences, grand, yeah. huge, monumental, worldly experiences. seems like the second album is, uh, is a little more narrowed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that you idolize, a, a place that you fell in love, Chinatown. It's, that mm-hmm. has to do with mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened in Chinatown? Um, that was the night. That... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a that night. Was, the was jelly a hit night. the jive. That was a night. Um, no, Whoa. just briefly. That was special. It, best, best quote of the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it was uh, a birthday party for a really uh, good friend of ours, and they rented out an old Chinatown movie theater and just threw the biggest, most fun party we've ever. Yeah. We played a show. <laughs> we... Kristen Wiig was dancing next to us. It was just like a huge, fun, amazing, very like film noir experience and it was the first night where we also connected um and so part of the song is being sung from her singing about chinatown and what it means to her and then the other part is me singing it about the love that we had when we fell we we kind of it was like when you realize the other person's there and there you start to wonder like where did they go i want to go find them that kind of thing we that's when it officially started to become kind of that connection that we couldn't that the music and the our personalities, we just like couldn't quite escape each other. We wanted to be by each other's side. So that was the night, first night it happened. And that song is kind of a love song and ode to that. 
I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know how much you craft these albums as like concepts, but like that first album, it's like so grandiose. And this one, it's like so like zeroed in. Each each thing doesn't need to have like a, I was over in, you know, mm-hmm. Syria doing no. this thing. It's no. more like, hey, I like this person a lot. And this was the night where a lot happened. Or, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. Tom Waits is an inspiration. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that true of the whole album? Or are there touches of what you put on the first album on the second album? I think there are touches definitely mm-hmm. there. Um, I think, but I think most importantly with the, the second album, we were really just getting people up, getting people up to feel good and have a good time and, and just stand up for what, what they believe in and what they want. And even our relationship was a little bit of that mm-hmm. and, or sticking with music was that. And, uh, as it come, when it comes to specific songs, I would almost say bad, which Jesse wrote for me and well not for me but inspired by a, a situation of just needing to come out as a person and being okay with it um you know i try to be the best person that i can and i i come from modesto california central valley agrarian a roman catholic family i was raised in catholic schools and uh education was a big part like science and medicine big part of my family growing up and so moving to San Francisco and really discovering myself as an artist and a musician and a vagabond and a drifter in life and I just every part of it a traveler uh it, it, it each step was really hard to feel brave enough to just do what I felt inside to finally just like go to Turkey or you know or and like my family what didn't I, I don't know I love my family so much and they have given me every drop that has fed my creativity but Turkey probably worried them in <laughs> yeah it's yeah no definitely yeah. definitely that um I feel like though like families if they haven't treated you poorly they're well-intentioned but maybe their intentions are like trying yeah. to give advice to themselves if you were them as opposed to giving advice to mm-hmm. you because you are you so that can be conflicting sure. if you're not confident well, in your own skin Right. right, and everybody in, and they just want the best yeah. for you. That's Everyone right. wants the best good, for each other. I was going to say, our families want the best for us, and the life of a traveling nomadic artist musician is a gnarly, twisty path. It's difficult. It can be really painful. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say I would never recommend it to anyone, <laughs> but it works for me. That's kind of quoting <laughs> Hunter Thompson as well, who said, yeah, I'd never recommend <laughs> drugs, alcohol, violence, or insanity to anyone, but it's always worked for me. <laughs> and I, uh, the, life, the life of a musician, it, it, yeah. if, you're, if you're cut from that cloth, it works for you, but it is hard to explain that to other people. First of all, all we're all freaks right here like this <laughs> section of musicians like we if we didn't have music we seriously would be working on a blockbuster video somewhere <laughs> i'd be and insane I'd be but lauren had this one she had a brief moment to to yeah. choose between <laughs> grad school and and art and all this other stuff or become this you know because she wasn't always like a singer like we been playing she played music but it wasn't like oh she's the singer and she's like we've all been playing music and then it was like a moment where she had to make that leap am i going to be in this band or not or, or are we going to follow this and it's you know 
we've all made this leap together in a sense. And that's the reason why this band is so strong is because we have this family that's like literally willing to do anything at this point. See that, that to me, yeah. that's what's top. That's what top hat is about. Actually. I would say like bad and top hat are like two sides of the same thing. Like bad is like, I'm going to do what I need to do. It may be bad, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to embrace this. And top hat is basically the way, you know, <laughs> this is only my interpretation, but we are all your top hat. We and in 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 are each other's thing that is both safe and inspiring. This this is you know when I have my top hat, there I know where I'm at, and <laughs> I don't need anything else. And so that I mean we did write that song sort of together on stage. I, I don't know, just when you meet your people, when, when you're with people who just allow you to shine and you shine brighter because they're there with you and they shine brighter because you're supporting them, mm. that's just so great. And I love that. I, I did, uh, the point Felix made was, was pretty good. Like Top Hat is sort of the antithesis of that feeling of like, bad is like, I'm bad. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm down in shambles. I feel this, but you know what? God gave me this and I earned it and here I am, you know? And then and then it's sort of like a I don't know. Okay. As you previously said in an I, interview I li- about bad, if you can't make yourself happy, what else can? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. You just got to be it's true. Mhm. I'm glad I said that once. <laughs> I should say it, it again. Good, it was a good that thing to a, say. That was a good thing to say, but but it's true. I mean, you can you can really only truly make yourself happy. And some days I can't even do that. Mm-hmm. I told you I had an all right day. Today I woke up and I just like I couldn't get this feeling out. And I tried yoga. I tried coffee, water. I tried all these different things, and it just doesn't go away. I'm not going to take an antidepressant or something and I don't need to start drinking, but it's there and, and, and that's okay too. And that's sort of the alternative. I mean, I'm speaking, Jesse wrote these words and I'm just going on and, but that's it too. Sometimes you just feel bad and you just need to just like shout it to the heavens and, and that's just what it is. You got to own what you are, yeah. you know, where you are, when mm-hmm. you are, you're going to, you're not always going to be one way and you can't always be the way you think you're expected to be you just you got to be real there's this thing you know coming from a jewish background when we go to the synagogue to pray we have a special prayer shawl that we wear we have a yarmulke that we put on our head it's like these accoutrements that we put on to sort of change how we feel when we're wearing the special garb and there's there's really something about putting on a top hat or having some soul beads draped around you, or having just being dressed to the nines, you go you go from feeling bad to feeling like a badass. Yeah, and it, it does change your mindset, and it just makes you feel like like you're free, like you're there, you're on the stage, you're it's transformative. in the spotlight. It is it is transformative. Yeah. Well, it's like Thelonious Monk uh, said when he was asked, uh, "So how how do we dress as sharp as possible, and as if it was always night?" Mm. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes. Uh, <laughs> just want to throw. You got some good I quotes think over there. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. The album ends with the track "Greengrass." Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any significance to it ending with that track? Mm-hmm. 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 Would Would you like to share that significance with us? <sighs> Every day, I have a new interpretation of that song. That is a Tom Waits cover written by him and his wife, Kathleen, and. Uh, Man, I just, it's just so bittersweet. I feel, it's just like I was mentioning with Rumi's lullaby. It's like, 
I think I think that anybody can put themselves in the song, but just the idea of of being nostalgic. Lay your head where my heart used to be. Hold the earth above me. It's just I don't know, just even just the what feelings the words evoke in the picture. Just I imagine just laying down in in like darkness at the end and just reflecting back on all that was good and how painful that is to remember something good. And that's what that's what that song reminds me of. And it's just like, oh, you go back and you remember the best things and why are they so painful to remember? It's that is the ultimate like definition of what is bittersweet. And so however that plays out into each person's life, I, I, for me, that's what it is. It's like the beautiful things and remember when you loved me. Like that could even be an object or a moment saying, remember when you loved me. Like just, or you know, the, I don't know. And we, we grow out of things and we go, grow away from things just like the green grass and it's cut and it's, you know, it burns up and it just keeps growing and, I don't know, it's just, it's beautiful. Like, it seems like a really optimistic thing. And then there's the whole idea of this, the green, is the grass greener on the other side? Like, it totally evokes that. Kathleen and Tom Waits, I don't know if I'm way off on this, but that's, that's what I feel. That's what I feel. It's a great interpretation. There's no way you're off. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, so it was a sad song. It was hard to perform, really. I also feel like it's, it is my best and truest recording that I've ever done. I don't feel like anything else I've recorded has ever felt like it captured me, like my soul is in that song. And I, I mean, I didn't write it, but I felt it. And I'm there, like my soul is there in that. And, and everything that I felt in that is there. And I feel like that's what recording, recording music is all about. And, uh, and you're lucky if you can get that. So I'm happy, I'm really happy about that. It's exciting that the project has momentum and it's exciting that you guys are going to, you know, keep doing what you're doing on the next album, whatever follows. Uh, we always end the episode with this prompt, Tom Gaffey. Do you have any thoughts about Royal Jelly Royal, Jive? Uh, Royal Jelly Jive. Uh, you You've know what? watched this man grow up in yeah, front I'm, of your I'm, very I'm, eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, Jesse Lemmy. <laughs> and I think if, if uh, when these guys get really big, uh, we've got a wall up in the men's room that still has Lemmy written on it. <laughs> that is so nice. <laughs> this man has his own urinal at the Phoenix I theme. love you that you know where there. it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have to say, you're talking about characters and growing up with, like, Tom, since the beginning, was one of the first people to hear me play music. Yeah. Like, my first show was here. I, did, I was part of the Phoenix School of Music. Yeah. I had my, some of my favorite shows with um, Gumbasia, the band I was in where we'd wow. have black lights and mannequins yeah. on in that lobby wow. and just like go nuts and play weird dark jazz Thelonious yeah. Monk and it was like just like this guy was always like that was badass yeah, that was, was cool just, like just like whatever band. I did I felt like he supported it yeah. and I was just always like if Tom's down I'm down oh, type yeah. thing and a good yeah yeah I don't think I ever had a bad time watching you play music <laughs> 
Royal Jelly Jive is good. Um, and it's been very satisfying <laughs> to see you guys have success. And um, thank, yeah, you, yeah. thank you thank for you. bringing so much to the conversation tonight. Mm-hmm. Thank you for playing the music that you played. And yeah. everyone's about to see it. So yeah. with that, the talking is done. The music is about to begin. Thank Stick you. around for that. Royal Jelly Jive, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.
on his back Chew sugar cane like it was gum He always smokes, oh, when he's on the run He doesn't talk, he's never late
Well, these all alone blues fill me up with something more. 